This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Woo! I'm ready. You're ready. Just cracked into a fresh beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, read a book. We read a great book. This week, today, mostly today. A weird book. Can I revise that? We read a weird book. Weird book. It was an Abbey book. Mm-hmm. I just spent uh, about a half an hour catching up with my good friend, Jack Shepard. Yep. His boss is in town in New York this week, and I got all the gossip. Yeah, you got all the hot gossip. She said he is bad at his job. Oh, is really? Because we we haven't had our mid year review yet. Yeah, and she said we were going to do the mid year review, and it, she was going to say you were bad at your job. Well, it's like a weird because you didn't say that when we were catching up either. Yeah, and she so, said she was going to fire you. Okay, well, and make sure you could never work in Austin, Texas again. I have, I have a son. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I have an infant child. That's exactly what I said. Wow. Well, thanks for defending me, Tanner. She said she's going to get a court order to get your boy taken away from you. <laughs> I think that's probably for the best. She's going to raise him. Okay. In <laughs> her seems, image. That seems fair. That'll be good for him. <laughs> yeah. This book, Tanner, was um, Suzanne is going through her like Dada phase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of it's going to be a absurdist. Alice in Wonderland farce. Yeah, it's, it, this is her. She watched like the Andalusian dog. Yeah. What is that? Luis Buñuel. Oh, uh, you're telling me, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> you went to film school. Is that the one where someone cuts their eye open? Yeah. 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 And she was like, all right, I've got an idea for a BSC book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we read it. We read it. We enjoyed it um it's abby man it's abby she brings a strange energy i've said this before i want to like abby i want to like her like energy she's got that kind of like late 90s realness that the other girls don't have yeah the other girls are all like storybook characters and she's like no i'm real i'm like um what's that guy's name the comedian from the late 90s who smoked a lot of cigarettes dennis leary Dennis Leary up here, like, ah, (laughs) forget about it. But she's bad. She lies a lot. She sneaks around. She, like, gets into trouble. I thought she handled things pretty well in this book. We're going to get into the plot, Baby Nation, a little bit later. But there's a moment where it felt like things were going to go right off the fucking rails. Yeah. And she actually ended up saving the day, which Abby's not known for. Marianne saves the day. And that's not just the title of a book. It's something she fucking does. She has. Abby tends to ruin the day. Yeah. And she saved this day. I think they somebody had a chat with Suzanne and was like, hey, listen, we need to get this Abby back in line. She comes in and she actually saves the day. Right. With her antics, with her outgoingness, with her brash, take no prisoners attitude. Yeah. And she exposes her grandmother. She exposes her grandmother, uh, whose one fear in life is to be exposed. Yeah. But we're going to get into that first, Tanner. I think we should introduce the show with your permission. Okay. Why do I ask permission? Hi, hi. Jack? Yep. You have my permission. Thank you, but I'm doing this of my own accord, regardless of the fact that you've given permission. He's not hi, Baby hi. Nation. He's only doing this because I gave him permission to do it. I would be doing it no matter what, but I appreciate the fact that Well, we'll gave never me. know. Let's put, we can prove it out pretty easy. Rescind your permission right now and see what happens. I, I won't. In Rescind- fact, I give you ongoing permission till the end of time, <laughs> and it's irreversible. Thanks, but I don't need it. We'll never know. Hi, <laughs> hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast wherein I, Jack Shepard, and my name is Tanner Greenring, and I am just delighted to be here with you tonight, Jack. And you, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of The Hand That Shakes. 
That's right. We're talking about the Great Sitter's Cycle by the Princess of the Prince of Town, St. Annabelle Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats. She is the first of her name and the last of her kind and the last hope for humankind. This week, we're going to be talking about a book called Babysitter's Club number 121. Holy God. 121. Abby in Wonderland. Is there some significance with the number 121? I mean, probably. But I was taking a moment to admire how many of these fucking books we've read and talked about. You were panicking. I was panicking. (laughs) You're in your voice. We're going to be okay, Jack. We're getting close to the end. We're on the home stretch. Shit is getting weird. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how weird shit is getting. The last few books we've read have mostly been about death or abuse. I really want to talk about how weird shit is getting because it is getting weird. It's getting fucking weird. This one was about death out of nowhere. You think it wouldn't be Abby in Wonderland? Wonderland is not the wonderland we were expecting. It's a wonderland where death lurks. Hamptons, Long Island. Yeah. The wonderland where death lurks. That's what it says when you finally get out of fucking New York City traffic. There's a big sign that says, Good. That's welcome. Good topical humor. <laughs> when you drive into Brooklyn, there's a yeah. big sign from the Brooklyn Borough president, whose yeah. name I've forgotten. Yeah. But it says, Welcome to Brooklyn. Forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. But it says it in the fun Brooklyn way. It's a weird thing to say. That's true. No, I know that. I didn't know if you remembered that because you've been gone from me for so long. All right, Stacy McGill. What about we describe the snowball? You're the Stacy McGill. I'm the Stacy McGill. You're always talking about Austin. You're always like, oh, in Austin, we do this. In Austin, we have a beer fridge right next to us. In Austin, like, the weather's bad, but not that bad. Oh, Baby Nation, before we started recording, I was talking about how nice it is to have a beer fridge in my podcasting room, which are two things that don't happen in New York, even if you're pretty well off. <laughs> See? See? Who's the Stacy now? <laughs> and it really stuck in Tanner's craw. Well, how's the weather out there? It's fine. No, it's bad. It's uh, 120 today. It's fine. Baby how's Nation. Your, how's <sighs> your... What? What what color is your state in the elections? Purple. Mm, is it? <laughs> what about if we describe this novel? Um, I was thinking I would take a run of describing the novel, then I'll put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have handy, and then you can describe the novel. Um, I don't need your permission, so I'm going to begin now. But you have it. Okay, fine, but it's irrelevant. And I said that before you told me that I had it, so I have proven that I don't need it. We'll never know. Tanner, I would love to begin describing this book, and I will. Abby Stevenson's vacation in Wonderland turns into a vacation in hell when she discovers a secret that threatens to tear her family apart. As Abby races against the clock to solve a mystery that may well claim the life of the person she loves most in the world, the Mad Hatters, the White Queens, and the Cheshire Cats populating Abby's summer getaway begin to seem all the more sinister. At times poignant, At times surreal, Abbey in Wonderland is a heart-pounding, edge-of-your-seat thriller that will keep you guessing right until the devastating final pages. Abby's dying to find out the truth, but she may not be the only one who's dying before it's all over. Abby in Wonderland. Tanner, your reactions on the ground. Uh, we, we report now to our correspondent live on the ground. Uh, your initial reaction to that description. Tanner, you had, a, you had a front row seat to that description. What do you have to say? Hi, Jack. I'm out here. <laughs> Am I picking up? Yep. Yeah, I'm out here. Uh, we, got, we were just right here for all of that. Yeah. Uh, right here on the scene. Uh, and all I can really say is loved it. Okay, great. I loved it. That's fantastic. Is that a helicopter sound in the background? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of turbulence going on around here. You know, there's a lot of action. Yeah. People are running around. They're screaming. But kind of consensus on the ground here is we loved it. 
Oh, well, we really appreciate having you and your reporting know-how. There's no one else we would trust with this task. So you heard the description with your own ears, front row seat, first person to hear it. And what you're saying is... Loved it. Yeah, I'm getting reports. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Well, great. Yeah. That's fantastic to hear. All right. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have, Tanner. Okay. I've been Tanner Greenring. And I'm Jack Shepard here in the studio. So that was a weird little <laughs> departure we just took. What I think happened was you could tell I wasn't paying attention. And you tried to corner me. Uh-huh. And we just did some fun play acting. <laughs> Is that what you think happened? Yeah. Okay. Well, here we are after that. Alice in Wonderland. Abby. Abby in Wonderland, but it's all Alice in Wonderland themed. There's an Alice in Wonderland party. The cover of this book is Alice in Wonderland. Oh, fact- my God. <clears throat> no, no, no. Karis! <sighs> Karis! Could you come in here? Is she here? Yeah, she's sitting she up here. In a second. Can you start, Karis? Can you start? Can you play the song? We're not just calling you in for no reason. How are you? I mean, it's nice to see you, but could you just? Are you doing well? Could you? Okay. Play the song, please. No, yeah, go to the mic and you can just do the song. Just hey, Karis, can you do the song? Is she doing it? She's doing it. Okay. Do, 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 do. And I said, uh, uh, swallow me down, uh, uh, and that's, that's that love and sound. Let's dig into this cover, Jack. Uh, first of all, I would like to introduce new baby bees to the segment. It's which is called... episode 120, <laughs> what, four? Yeah. Swallow you into the dark where we talk about the wonderful and crazy covers of these novels by Babysitter's Club art director Hodges Swallow. But you know that by now because you've listened to 123 episodes. Absolutely you have it. If you haven't, you're a crazy person (laughs) for starting here. But welcome and thank you for joining us at this late stage. Um, Let's talk about this fucking crazy cover, Tanner. Let's talk about this cover. It's mostly okay. Yeah. Right? We have mm-hmm. we have a tableau in which this is something that mostly for the most part has happened in this book. So Abby's grandmother throws an Alice in Wonderland themed party in her mm-hmm. Hamptons home. That's right. Invites all of Abby's family. Mm-hmm. Abby's grandmother dresses as the White Queen. Mm-hmm. So on the cover of this book, we have Abby dressed as Alice, holding hands with her grandmother dressed as the White Queen. In the background, we have Christy. Christy comes to visit, and she's dressed as the Mad Hatter, right? talking to some gentleman who's dressed as like the, the King of Hearts or whatever. Right. All of that happens in the books. Those yeah. costumes are all described in the book. Uh-huh. And then on the far right, Jack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got this the cat. Wait, the, we got this cat. Well, it's a... I don't know if I'd describe it as a cat. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, it's a cat person. It's a cat person. There's a cat person here. Yeah. There's a cat person. There's a cat person. And let me go to the chapter where the party is described really quick and, and read you some of the costume descriptions yep, that Abby please, gives us. Please. So Abby is Alice. Christy pulls a top hat out of a bag and says, the Mad Hatter. So Christy is the Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. The next to arrive was the band Graham had hired. Four musicians came dressed as playing cards. Next came Muriel and Daniel. Muriel was dressed as the Duchess with a big hoop-skirted dress and a huge headpiece, and she put a little pig costume on Daniel. You remember? The crazy Duchess Alice meets has a baby boy who she turns into a pig. I'm late, Grandpa Morris bellowed from the top of the stairs. No, you're not. The party isn't until I stopped short when I saw his costume and began to laugh. He was dressed as the White Rabbit. Corley was dressed as Tweedledee, and Abby's sister Anna was dressed as Tweedledum. And then her Aunt Leah, the chauffeur, opened the door and outstepped an elderly woman in a caterpillar outfit. Okay. It was the craziest sight. So that's every costume. That's all the costumes. Yep. Described in those two chapters. Mm-hmm. 
And so Hodges is painted here. Abby in the center, wearing an Alice costume, shaking hands with her grandmother, dressed as the White Queen. Yep. On the far left, we have the king, as described, and one of the courtiers dressed as, like a, as a card, also yep. described. And then on the, far, on the far right of this picture, looking completely insane and sinister. And none of the other characters are looking at this character. No. Just, They're not one, acknowledging this character's presence. But this character is barreling the fucking camera. He's looking yep. us right in the eyes. And it's yeah. not a cat. No. It's a cat person. It's as if a cat stood up on its hind legs and right. carried itself like a person. And then Hodges, just in case, just in case we didn't catch that, just in case that wasn't obvious to us that that wasn't in the book, Hodges has taken the trouble to write underneath the cat, things aren't always what they seem. Yep. <laughs> That's what he says, which has no bearing, and I wish you would describe this novel, Tanner. I will, but... I think it would be disrespectful to Baby Nation and dishonest yeah. to describe the novel without first setting up that the cat people have obviously taken Long Island. The cat people have taken Long Island. Which Baby is Nation. horrifying. Because Terrifying. Last we heard, the cat people had only made it as far as Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. When Logan Bruno's cousin... Lewis. Lewis came to town and... Confirmed that the cat people had taken Louisville and right. the rest of Kentucky. Right. But now they've apparently pushed their way east. Into Long Island. Into Long Island. And like far east Long Island. Yeah. They're a hop, skip, and a jump across the Long Island Sound away from Connecticut now. Huh. Well, that's utterly terrifying. And also, things aren't always what they seem. What does that mean? What is he telling us? Because it has no bearing on the novel. Things are very straightforward in this novel, apart from the Alice in Wonderland subtext. Right. I want to continue talking about this cover, but first... Okay. Uh, Karis, can you come back? Jack wants to keep talking about the cover. I'm not sure we... I don't think we have to do the song again. Uh, Never mind. No. Sorry, Karis. False alarm. False alarm. Yep. But... I want to talk about it in a pretty roundabout way, because first I want to talk about Poussin. Bless you. <laughs> um, Nicolas Poussin? Poussin. Okay. Nicolas Poussin, the French Baroque painter. Yep. 17th century painter, uh, major inspiration for Angre. Lee, the director of Hulk. No, Angre. Ang Lee, yeah. The director <laughs> of Hulk, director of Sense of Sensibility. Um, and also Cezanne. His most, probably Poussin's most famous painting is one that I think you'll be familiar with. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that it's titled this, but I think it's titled Et in Arcadia Ego. To Arcadia we go. No. Okay. Poussin? Poussin. No. Et in. Et. Arcadia. Oh my God. It's difficult. Et in Arcadia Ego, which is a painting that I was brought... Oh, I've seen this painting. Yeah, it's very famous. Seen it in real life. It's at the Louvre. Yeah, it's a very famous painting. And to describe the painting, a number of shepherds are walking through a pastoral landscape, yep. um, which is what Arcadia refers to. It refers to the pastoral, sort of a rural paradise, a wonderland, if you will. Okay, yeah. And these shepherds are having a nice time, but they have come upon a tomb, and they're looking at the tomb. Okay. And on the tomb, it's inscribed, et in Arcadia ego, I also am in Arcadia, and the I, according to many interpretations of the painting, is death. Death also lurks in paradise. Yeah. In a wonderland. You can't escape death. You can't escape death. It's a reminder of mortality. And apparently there's one other thing you can't escape. What? The cat people. The, that's also true. Oh, wait. So you think that that's what yeah. it means? A lot of scholars interpret <laughs> the cat people as death. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 
Okay. Well, now I would like Tanner to do, before we move on, I would like to do a close analysis. I'm going to send this to you. I'm, I think this will be easiest for me to send to you. And Baby Nation, I will post this in the Facebook group. I s- always say that I'll post something in the Facebook group, and I Maybe usually do. don't. Right. So I think that's probably what's going to happen Baby here. Nation, it's only because he doesn't care about you. <laughs> now, what I've sent you is a side-by-side of the Poussin painting. Poussin. And okay. so death also lurks in paradise or death also lurks in wonderland or according to your – is it just you? No, it's scholars. Scholars. According to some scholars' interpretation, cat people also lurk in paradise. Right. Okay. I'm opening the email now. Okay. 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 Tanner. Okay. Is there or is there not a very clear – It's almost like it's been traced. These pictures – rhyme yeah it's almost as if haja swallow put down a, a layer he took he printed out poisson's famous painting about acadia mm-hmm. and he sketched over it and in place of these rural farmers mm-hmm. he has drawn christy and abby and this cat person now i have a question about the poisson painting uh-huh i'd say poisson but yep the woman <laughs> on the right yeah is she death no tanner and here she's got thing. a she's got a Pale complexion. I think people just wore a lot of makeup in those days. Here's what's terrifying. Yeah. You've got, in both of these paintings, you have five people. Mm. Two people on the right, two people on the left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I understand. Yes. (laughs) And one person who is the actual central theme of the painting in the middle. In Hodges' case, that person is Abby. Yep. And in Poussin's case, that person is entombed yeah it's the it's the grave in a grave yeah et in arcadia ego death et in arcadia ego only actually has four living people in it and one which is where i got confused but then i i understood what you meant so i don't know death stalks this painting when hodges is saying things aren't always what they seem why has he put abby in the place of death. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially because scholars are saying that the cat people represent death. In yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of scholars are saying that it's you, and then is it who else is it? Oh, you know, Richards. Okay. Um, Fabergé. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Say no more. Tolinson, mm-hmm. Gilbertson, all wow. of them. A lot of know? heavy hitters. Okay, so it's yeah. not just a conspiracy theory. No, no, no. Okay. Well, Tanner, I would love to discuss this more, and I would love for you to describe this novel for the Baby Nation, but first I think we should probably take a break. Oh, you you cunning little, crafty little guy, you. Yeah. You saw right through my ruse. Okay. I thought I could maybe get this whole episode without describing the book. No, we're going to take I thought a break. I, I thought I engaged you enough on this cover. <laughs> That I got you off the off my scent. The baby nation needs to know. They know a lot about Poussin. They don't know a lot about what happened in this novel. We're gonna take a quick break, Tanner. You say goodbye. Okay, he's gone. Obviously gone. I don't know why I even try. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. What would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to... Do a whole bunch, like, just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is, like, getting people wet who don't want to be wet. So it's, like, stepping in a puddle or, like, sitting on a bench that's wet. That's us. Like, that's what we do. 
Share this with a friend, one like, one prayer. I will follow through on the like prayer stuff too. I will be praying all night. I would use today's sponsor, betterhelp.com. Um, of course, I can't. I am evil Tanner. I can only use the deep web. We do have a deep web version of betterhelp.com. Um, it's called worsehelp.com. It's not good, but I think betterhelp.com is great from everything I've heard. Convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time, no additional charge. Uh, go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bedfellows to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bedfellows. See you there. Well, not me, but have fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tanner, we're back, and you have my permission to describe this novel. Jack, we are back, and we've been talking about these themes of like death and paradise, but there's also another Mm. sort of alarming presence in paradise, Jack. Is it you describing this novel? No, it's so of all the people Abby could invite to Long Island, Mm -hmm. the longest of the islands, she invites her good friend Christy. Uh huh. And then, Jack, I know you don't. You often don't read the chapter twos; you skip them. No, that's not true. But I read them. You often skip them. Listen to how Abby describes Christy. Okay, Christy came up with the concept of the Babysitters Club. Mm-hmm. One afternoon, she was watching her mother make call after call, searching for an available sitter for Christy's little brother. So Christy, the bright light that she is. Mm-hmm came up with the brilliant plan of bringing sitters together at specific times in one place. The bright light. The bright light. The bright light. The bringer uh, of light. The light bringer. The light bringer. Now, is that something? I cannot imagine that at this point, 121 books deep, you, Tanner, would lose faith in Christie as Except- being... Anything other than on the fucking level. Let's think about this, because if you introduce death to paradise, what you're saying is that you, people of paradise, Adam, Eve, you can now die. And what happens when you die is that the core of you, your Mm -hmm. soul, becomes forfeit. You give up your mortal body, your soul goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. Your soul can go one of two places. If you've led a good, pious life, your soul goes to heaven... Mm-hmm. If you've led a bad life, your soul goes to hell. To Long Island, am I right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry if you're from Long Island. So by introducing death to paradise, you also have to introduce this dichotomy. Okay. Between good and evil, heaven and Right, hell. the knowledge of good and evil. That's what it's about. That's what the tree is. So as soon as you invite death, a- a.k.a. the cat people, to Long Island, you also must invite Lucifer. The bright light. The bright light. The light bringer. Christy Thomas. Well. Whose idea all of this was in the fucking first place. Yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that as soon as Abby goes to Long Island, Christy follows shortly thereafter. Wow. And then death lurks, which is something we're going to get to when you describe this novel. Um, But this has always been Anne's theme, right? She's created this paradise where death can't happen. This is the point. This is the point about what we call Amber Theory, Baby Nation. Yeah. Yeah. These books are about a world without death, right? a world where these girls repeat their 13th year over and over and over and over again and never grow old and never die. But et in Arcadia Ego, even in this paradise, death lurks. Right. Death finds a way. Anyway, I'm worried about Christy. Yeah, I'm slightly nervous about Christy as well. I'm worried about Christy. I'm worried about Abby. I'm worried about the cat people. I'm worried about the fact that we have gone almost 40 minutes without you describing this book. You know who else I'm worried about, Jack? Okay. You know what we haven't talked about yet? You describing the book? Is what happens back in... Do you want me to just describe the book? Get out of the way? 
no, no. Because no, it no. feels like you're really hung up on describing the book. Because normally we do it first so people know what the book is. Do you about. just want me to do it now? Just get no. out of the way? No, I want you to I'll say I'll do what it. You're I'll saying. do it. I'll do it. No, no, you don't have my permission. I don't give my permission for you to Back describe the book. Back in Stony Brook. Wait, are you starting? No, no, no. I wasn't. I was doing my thing. Okay. I was talking about the, the degradation of these girls. Fine. Abby is death. Okay. Abby slash cat people is the death. Okay. Christy as the light bringer. Okay. But then there's this other thing that happens in the book. Okay. The Pike family had to have their vacation canceled. Yes. They were going to go on vacation to Sea City, and it gets canceled because their car breaks down. So they have to do what we call staycation. Right. And all the so this is the B plot. All the girls of the Babysitters Club, except Abby and Christy, who are in Long Island, coordinate this beach getaway. Yeah. For the Pike kids. And then once that's done, they coordinate this thing where they go down to downtown Stony Brook and they like do a little shopping, they eat at Pizza Express, and then they tour the police station. Mm-hmm. And then they tour the fire department. Right. So the beach festival day, all the Pike kids are allowed to invite one friend. Uh, Nikki Pike invites Hunter Bruno. Mm-hmm. So Logan comes, so Marianne comes, and it's it's very thrilling. For the day where they go into town... Uh, Logan Bruno is not available, so Nikki Pike invites one of the Hobart kids. So Ben comes, and it's like a whole thing. So Logan and Marianne are not around for the day where they go into the town to do some shopping and visit the fire station. The firehouse was an especially big hit. The kids were allowed to climb on a hook and ladder truck. The fire bell rang while we were there. It cut short their tour, but nobody seemed to mind much, since they were able to see firefighters in action as they suited up and jumped in their truck. So during the course of their visit to the fire station, Jack, mm-hmm. they get a five-alarm fire, mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. the fire people of Stony Brook suit up and head out to combat this blaze. Yeah. Who's suspiciously absent, Jack, from the visit to the fire who could Who in Stony Brook could be out setting fires? Well, Sean Addison, the fire starter. He's gone. He's gone. He's moved away. Marianne is hmm wait where's marianne she's not around she was at the beach day the day before but she couldn't make it to this so they set the fire starter sean addison away yeah but the fires are still getting set right someone else is the fire starter now someone else might be starting fires and then let me um let me read this passage so the next night the pike kids host a sleepover in their backyard like a Mm -hmm. camp night yeah. They like sit around a campfire, they sing songs, they eat s'mores. As they're all going to bed, all the kids kind of get distracted and they all want to like have a snack or go to the bathroom or have a drink of water. Margot came charging into the kitchen yelling, Where's dad? Something terrible has happened. What? Stacy asked, feeling herself go pale. The upstairs toilet is flooding like crazy, Mallory told Stacy. Mr. Pike appeared. Did you say the upstairs toilet is flooding? He asked. Before they could answer, he was halfway up the stairs. It seemed someone had dropped something into the toilet. Whatever it was, had caught in the pipe and wasn't letting the water flow. Now, Mary Ann was at this sleepover. Yeah. And someone tried to flush some piece of evidence down the toilet. Okay. The day after a huge blaze goes up in Stony Brook. They didn't, I didn't hear them say evidence. Someone, he says someone tried to flush something. Something into the toilet. Yeah. There's two things you flush down the toilet. Poop. Okay, fine. This is a evidence. PG-rated podcast. So yeah. let's we can say evidence, but let's not say... Let's bleep the first one. The P word. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just saying, Jack, the books are reaching this cacophony we've discussed before. Mm-hmm. Abby's now being tied in with these cat people slash death imagery. Mm-hmm. Christie's being maybe perhaps labeled as the light bringer. Right. A new light bringer. And now Marianne is getting a little tied up in all this kind of uh, this fire play. She saw the fire starter. She saw what he did. They ran him out of town. But maybe yeah. she got a taste for it. Maybe. She, yeah. Yeah. Whatever, like, spirit of vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Sean Addison carried within him jumped over to Marianne. And she had to take her. How to Start Fires book that she got from the Stony Brook Library and flush yeah. that right down the toilet because she doesn't need it anymore. Yeah. She doesn't need it. Right. And the flesh melted off of her skull. Okay. And in place of unassuming teen girl Marianne, mm-hmm. we had this visage of like this young girl, leather jacket, chains wrapped around her arms, 
skull in place of a head, and around the skull is just this like plume of flame. I think you're actually sorry to interrupt. But I think you're actually describing the novel Marianne's Makeover. Um, was that is that what happened? I think that's what happens in Marianne's Makeover, and like none of the girls like it. She's like, oh, I think it looks good. Right, right, right. She makes it. She goes to hell. She makes a deal with Mephisto. Yeah, who imbues her with the spirit of vengeance. Gives her a motorbike. Right. She goes back to the surface. She has a motorbike. Yeah. You and I saw and that she... Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> Jack? Yeah. Long before it was a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> it was a beautiful comic book called The Ghost Rider. Okay. And that's what's going on with Marianne. That's what Marianne's makeover was all these fucking books ago. Yeah. It was Mephisto. Woo. Well, let's call it a day, huh? I was thinking you could describe the novel. I'm going to ask you one last time. Have we not yet? We've left out the most important part of the book. Et in Arcadia Ego. Death lurks in this novel, Tanner. Okay, I'll do it. All right, I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock. Uh, Baby Nation, for those of you who look forward to the descriptions of the novel and can't rest until the novel has been described, I would like to formally apologize. I would like to apologize that you have to get caught up in our sick twisted game because <laughs> yes. this is a this is a dance that jack and i dance every yeah. week yeah he tries to get me to describe the novel and i try to put it off as long and as normally possible. i never let it get this out of control yeah but i engaged him on, on some very like polarizing topics you were a little bit too compliant when i brought up poussin and then uh, the ghost rider is actually something you're familiar with and now here we are i'm gonna put 60 seconds on this big bad clock during those 60 seconds you did you say ghost writer i said the ghost pbs children show about the no cartoon the no. ghost that writes to kids yes teaches them how to yeah. write correctly that's what i said and now you're gonna describe this novel are you ready if you want to talk about ghost writer i will I talk don't. about it i don't I want you to describe the novel. Okay. 60 seconds. You have my permission to describe this novel. Don't need it. Which is why you're doing it. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock. Begin now. It's the end of the summer. Uh, Abby and her family are going to their grandma's house to spend the summer with them uh, in Long Island in the Hamptons at their summer home. Uh, Christy is going to join them a couple weeks later, but before that, Christy has to spend the a little bit of the summer in Stony Brook caring for children. They're back from Europe. They're back from the uh, day camp that they all were very competitive about in the last book. Uh, the Pike family has their vacation canceled, so it's all hands on deck to take care of the Pikes all summer. Um, that's kind of the B plot over in Stony Brook. They do this fun, like vacation at home, beach vacation at home kind of thing in Long Island. Uh, Abby's visiting a grandmother who she discovers that she has breast cancer and she's trying to figure out how to confront her grandmother about it while she's planning this party about Alice in Wonderland. And she eventually just breaks down in tears and confronts her grandmother and grandmother admits that she does have breast cancer or may have breast cancer. And we'll find out soon enough. And time. Um, there is this beautiful thematic parallel construction that Suzanne Wayne. Have I told you, Tanner, that I'm a Suzanne man? Oh, are you? Yeah. You're a Suzanne man. Yeah. I suspect it, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's weird to just drop it in the middle of things. Kind of always had you pegged as a Suzanne man. Yeah, I'm a Suzanne man. I'm glad you're finally being open about it. I'm glad yeah. you're finally being honest about it. Man. Yeah, you know what? It shouldn't it's be very brave. I shouldn't have to make a thing about it. I'm a Suzanne no, man. It's no. fine. I'm a Suzanne man. Baby Nation. Some people are Suzanne mans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's okay. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. I am glad that you're being so open with me. We've been close friends for a number of years, and I'm really glad you're opening up. I feel the need to reciprocate, and I just want to be honest. Are you a Suzanne man as well? No. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm alone. I walk this world alone. I don't have. I don't have that kind of time, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot. It's a big commitment. I don't have time to commit myself to being a Suzanne man because I have very, I have very little time left on this, on this earth with Wait. what I have left as, as far as my. Why is that? mental capacity goes why what's going on man it's quickly diminishing jack the light is the light is going out oh jesus 
You want to talk about I, it? You can talk about it here. Yeah, I went to the doctor the other day. Yeah. He Just says, like a regular checkup? No, this is this is kind of an ongoing thing. I've had okay. a lot of like tests done and I have stage four Susanity. Wait, what? Stage four? Stage four Susanity. He said it's fully penetrated my membrane. <laughs> oh no. Wait, so you're fully Suzanne in the membrane? I think so. Yeah. Oh god, how long before you're Suzanne in the brain? It's just it's like it's honestly a, a matter of weeks. Uh, at this point. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear it, man. Thanks. You know, I just I want to enjoy the time we have together while we still can. So. <laughs> Let's remain positive. Yeah. Well, it's really brave of you to admit it. Thanks. And talk about it here. Yeah. You know, I'm just I need a support community, and I'm yeah. hoping you and Baby Nation could be that for me. Yeah, well, then maybe there are some other Suzanne mans out there, and I'm sure there are other people who are fully Suzanne in the uh, memboy and have f- full-blown Suzanity. Suzanity, yeah. Um, in the meantime, let's talk about death, man. And, and, and Suzanne in particular, let's talk about Suzanne's brilliant thematic reversal that she does here where the Pikes, they can't go to C-City. So they try to bring C-City to where they are. They try to bring paradise to Earth. Yeah. Meanwhile, Abby goes to Wonderland. She goes to paradise. But she discovers that death, mortality, lurks there. And she corrupts it. It's corrupted because the fucking cat people are there. Chrissy, a.k.a. the new Lightbringer. Apparently a new Lightbringer. Possibly. And her grandma... Has cancer. May have cancer. Or may have cancer. She she was doing a self-exam. Yeah. And she found a lump in her breast... They did a mammogram, mm-hmm. inconclusive. They did a biopsy yeah. to test whether or not it was cancerous, and that is the cliffhanger that Suzanne and Anne have left us on. We do not know whether or not she has cancer. Yeah. On a equivalently dark note, Tanner, I would like to talk to you about the scholastic lawyers or scholastic liars, okay. as I call them. Yeah. Is that actually... Could we get in trouble for that? Maybe. I think it's liable. Okay. So should I just say lawyers? Can I say liars? What if I say... Just do it really subtly. The scholastic lawyers. Yeah. Oh, Jack, do you mean the the scholastic lawyers? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I just I had a few notes I wanted to talk to you about related to the scholastic lawyers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How do you... and And... If we were worried about getting in trouble with that, how would you describe that offense? Oh, what we do? Law bull. <laughs> that is not what I was expecting you to say. I, I was expecting you to... I know it's one of... I know that calling libel libel yeah. is one of your little British tics. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I was trying to sting you on. <laughs> but then you called it law bull. <laughs> yeah, I have this problem where I say law when I mean lie and lie when I mean law, which is why I have no problem talking about the scholastic lawyers. Yeah, got it. Abby's mom, Tanner, we know works for a quote-unquote major publishing company in New York. Yep. They fucking hit us over the fucking head with it. And we got a little more. She's a high-ranking executive over there. Right. We got a little more about her this week. She's an executive editor in a major publishing house in New York City. She's a big deal there and super devoted to her work. Sometimes her job really irks me. Mom, here's what we learned. Mom wasn't always such a workaholic. While my dad was alive, she was much more laid back. But when Anna and I were nine, he was killed in a car accident. For a while, it seemed as if all the laughter and joy were gone from our lives. This book is really dark. Mom was a wreck. Anna and I were practically running the house ourselves. But one day, something changed. Mom seemed to wake up. And overnight, she kicked into high gear. What the fuck changed? What changed? Here's another passage that I'm going to... Oh, I see what you're saying. Bring to bear on this. Yeah. Cocaine. Oh, you think that that's what it was? Oh, I thought that's what you were saying. That's not what I was saying. Okay. Let me read you this passage. Abby, what are you doing here? Stacy McGill cried as Christy. Oh, I see. Okay. I got it. What is it? 
blood doping. <laughs> you think you think that Abby's mom wants an edge in her high powered executive job at right, a publishing so company? Yeah, so she's blood doping. So she's she's blood doping. Yeah. She's withdrawing her own blood. Like the steroids weren't doing it. Keeping it safe. Yeah. Letting her blood count get back up to normal. Yeah. And then injecting her own blood into herself so she has like a surge. Yeah. From that. Wow. I think that's what blood doping is. That sounds about right. (laughs) Abby, what are you doing here? Stacy McGill cried as Christy and I strolled into the BSC meeting that afternoon at 527. You may wonder how I know it was exactly 527. Easy, I always check the clock when I come in. That's because we start our BSC meetings at 530 pronto. I grinned. Mom's job sabotaged us again. But it's only a delay. We're leaving after the meeting. Yeah, she gets a, she gets a bunch of book proposals in that she needs to read. And then, finally, on their way to Long Island, adding to the misery was the fact that Mom was listening to a really annoying audio tape in the cassette player. It was about achieving your greatest creative potential, and the narrator was droning on and on and on. I beg you, turn that off, I pleaded, when I couldn't take it anymore. So here's what we know, Tanner. Here are the facts. After Abby's dad died, Abby's mom was listless at work. But suddenly something changed. Yep. At her snapped into high gear. Job at Scholastic. Yep. We know that Scholastic has been sabotaging her. Every time she falls out of line. Yeah. Those scholastic lawyers. The scholastic lawyers. Lawyers. Yeah. Sabotage her. And we know that she's listening to hypnotism tapes. Hypnotism. Yeah, sure, sure. In her cassette player that has her in thrall. Yeah, 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 I just, I, this isn't a mystery. This isn't a mystery we need to pick apart. It's all pretty fucking clear from this book. I just wanted to let the scholastic... Okay, go ahead. Lawyers know that we're fucking onto them. Does scholastic produce audiobooks? Oh, hell yeah, Jack. Tell me. Scholastic Scholastic Inc., Mm -hmm. the publishing company, produces a ton of audiobooks. Yeah. Which is troubling because now we know, we're pretty sure, that they're inserting messages into these audiobooks. Oh, gosh. Hypnotism. Right. Look, I'm looking right here. I'm on shop.scholastic.com and I'm on I'm looking at their audiobooks. 39 Clues, book number 3, The Sword Thief written by Peter Larangis, audiobook. It sounds great, honestly. That it does sound great. I just I'm I'm now a little concerned that they're maybe slipping some hypnotism stuff into this. They're sabotaging you if you get out of line. Right. Oh, you're sad cuz someone in your family died, but You've deviated from what the scholastic overlords want you to be doing? Cheer up. Get back to work. Listen to this Pete Larangis book and get back to work. Why don't you listen to this fucking, actually, honestly, probably very good sounding Pete Larangis book. And suddenly, suddenly, overnight, you're going to, in the words of this book, kick into high gear. As though you're blood doping. As though you're blood doping. What we've done at Scholastic is recreated the sensation of blood doping with audiobooks. (laughs) <laughs> well we're on to you yeah. we're on to you abby's mom in thrall she's a high up over there but she's not the highest up we know who's the highest up over there it's i think it's Anne, right i think it's probably the leviathan i mean he's the lowest down because he's in the yeah complex cavern system underneath scholastic but i assume and Baby Nation, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't looked it up, but I assume that Anne M. Martin is the highest ranking. You think she's EIC? Person at Scholastic. Do publishing companies have editors-in-chief? Not in the same way that media companies do. So maybe she's, like, executive editor. That's actually what Abby's mom is. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, message so, received, Dan. I think Anne is higher up. I think Leviathan is more like a a guru type character. He's like an oracle. Anyway, it's Classic Lawyers. I know you're listening, and uh, we've got our eye on you. We've got our eye on you, Tanner. On 
The ride back to the Hamptons with Christy. Mm-hmm. She entertained us with funny stories about the Pike kids and their at-home vacation. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Pike kids had discovered some new neon-colored sunblock oh, yeah. and were practically living in it. Mm-hmm. Quote, it's as if they've turned into some weird tribe of purple people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's as if they've turned into some weird tribe of purple people. Of purple people. Yeah. Or perhaps, another mm-hmm. way to interpret that is, a weird tribe of people worshiping yeah. purple. It's all coming together. These books are careening towards the great purging fire that will end it all. In previous books, we've seen the witches come back in a big way. We've seen the dinosaurs come back in a big way. We've seen yeah, ghosts. energy. And lurking in the background of all of this always has been a sentient purple orb. Like the Watcher of the Marvel Universe. Is it malevolent? Is it benevolent? We don't know. We don't know what it does or why it's there, but we know that it's always there. And now it's out in the open. These now children it's out in the open and it has worshippers. These children are glowing purple. Mm-hmm. Neon purple. They've enveloped themselves yeah. in this visage of yeah. glowing purple. Yeah. And they're kowtowing at the, well, I wouldn't say feet, but at the general area beneath where the purple orb is floating. The under under orb? The under orb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just it's all it's like she's got all these loose strands yeah all over the place and she's starting to bring them all in you know and it's just like what is this all leading to what does this all mean it's beautiful and terrifying all at once and we've talked about portals before this is like in the past few books we have been discovering more and more portals into Stony Brook and then now we have Alice in Wonderland the ultimate portal fantasy. Well, uh, uh, after Mortal Kombat, but yeah. After Mortal Kombat. Right. So wait, is that your ranking? Mortal Kombat number one. Huh. Is that my ranking? Alice in Wonderland number two. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Number three, probably, yeah. The Magicians. And then that movie, um, Jumper. Oof, that's a bad movie. What do you mean? It's a bad movie, but it's an excellent portal fantasy. I actually, I strongly disagree. Yeah, on the on the genre classification of that movie, but I like that we're talking about. What it. do you Hayden mean? That's the whole. That's the whole thing of the movie. No, that's is not what that a portal fantasy. Hayden Christensen is. No. and Jamie Bell are no. able to manifest portals. Yeah, but portal fantasy is not a novel that happens to have portals in it. No, it's it's a novel about about a single portal using portals to, to escape world. your mundane lifestyle. I'm furious with you right now. Your mundane life and and enter a exciting new life, right? No, that's a, and is that not what Hayden Christensen and Jamie Bell a, do in the movie no, Jumper? That is a specious interpretation. They become like fun no. portal criminals. No, that's a fine movie to talk for us to be talking about, but it does not fit into the genre. Well, it's my number five portal fantasy. Okay, is that set in stone? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, There's the video game series Portal. Also, not a Portal fantasy. I'm furious with you. Does not register. Yeah. Um, Anne and Suzanne. Bioshock. No. Okay. Now you. Now you're just blowing up the whole thing. You're just naming things you like. Anne and Suzanne and the rest of the League of Extraordinary Ghost Writers are tying up all their loose ends. They brought in the orb. They brought in the witches. They brought in the fucking dolls. The orb has an army now too. The orb used to be this like this sort of background force. It wasn't quite clear what it was there for. It wasn't quite clear what its intentions were. Yeah. But now it's building an army. These glowing purple children. Um, the armies are converging. Ben fucking Hobart is back. Do you catch that? He's back in such a big ben, way. Ben Hobart is back and Mal is obsessed with him again. Let me read you the passage. And let me remind you as you listen to this passage that five or six books ago, Christy and the Sister War, Mal was stepping out with the fucking Kelsey boys. Mal and uh, Jesse went to the dance and they were ogling the fucking Kelsey boys. Right. And then ten books ago in Don't Give Up Mallory, Mal is fucking googly-eyed over a guy called Justin who is, in her words, not mine, the cutest guy in the seventh grade. Okay, well— What's that make Ben Hobart? Well, 
Apparently nothing until this passage. Mr. Pike and Mrs. McGill drove the Pike kids, Stacy and Claudia, into town. The guests, driven by Jesse's Aunt Cecilia and by Mrs. Kishi, met them at Pizza Express. The guest list was almost the same as it had been for the beach party barbecue, except that since Christy wasn't around to bring David Michael, Nikki invited eight-year-old James Hobart, who came with his older brother, Ben. This made Mallory very happy because she likes Ben Hobart a lot, if you know what I mean. Okay, Abby, Here's, that, is the, if, that is the strongest thing you can say about someone. I like them a lot, if you know what I mean. I haven't even said that to my fucking wife. Yeah. I like you a lot, if you know what I mean. We've been married for years. I I have never gone that far. No, that's that's extreme. It's almost like that's something only like perverts say. I like you a lot, M Dash. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Right. Baby Nation. Yeah. Go to your significant other. Go to text message right now. Open up text message. Yeah. On your phone. Mm-hmm. Find your significant other. Or your crush. Or your crush. Or your crush. And if you yeah. don't have either of those, download a dating app, create a profile, <laughs> match with someone. Yeah. So you're all covered now. You either have a significant other, a crush, or you've matched with someone on a dating profile. Right. Just text this. I like you a lot. And then a space, and then an M dash, not an N dash, an M dash, and then another space. That's the big one. It's not a hyphen. Then another space, and and then write, if you know what I mean. Yeah. See what happens. See what happens. Catalog those responses. Post yeah. them in Baby Nation, the Facebook group dedicated to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we'll just see. We'll see. Yeah. Jack, do you want to text it to your wife right now? Yeah. I'll text it to my wife. Okay. To Beanstein. Can I do a winky face at the end? I like you a lot. I like you. M dash. How lot. do you type an M dash on the iPhone? <laughs> um. Okay, and if you hold down Baby Nation, here's an iPhone tip. If you hold down the hyphen, oh, there it is. It's the third the, one. It's the third one. If you know what I mean. Can I do a winky face at the end? I'm going to throw a winky face in. No. Did Mal throw a winky face in? No. Did Abby throw a winky face in? No, she didn't. Okay. I mean. All right. Sent. Sent. Okay. We'll check back in on that. Okay. <sighs> Jack, feels like we're wrapping up. This text, it was dense. There was a lot that happened. I've got so many extra notes here that we're just not going to get to. Yeah. But my main concern, Jack, this week mm-hmm. is if you had a... I do, but Sarah's just written back. She says, all. Oh, that's nice. A-W. Uh, Jamie also wrote back. What did she say? Is this for the podcast? Okay, wait. Sarah's texting again. Yeah. Oh, she's written, is this for your podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write back, can't it be both for the podcast and true? I'm going to say, that's what Jamie said too, but can't it be... Both for the podcast. She, and you know what else? She wrote aw with just one W. Yeah, aw. Aw. She's aw. like, she's watching her TV show. <laughs> she's like, eh, aw. Uh, <laughs> Jamie replied with emoji the, like, this look. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Baby Nation, post those screenshots yeah. in the Baby Nation Facebook group. You had one. Burn. Burn of the week. Well, okay, wait. We've got breaking news here. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah said, well, I'd like to think so. That would be nice for me. (laughs) She's so passive. (laughs) She's like, you tell me. (laughs) Did I have a burn of the week, Tanner? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was a burn light book. Yes, I had a burn of the week, and I'm going to read it now. You ready? Yeah. The Pike Kids, of course it's the Pike Kids, Suzanne. Lazy. 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 Invent some new kids, Susan. Lazy B-plot. Are having a water fight in the backyard. We better stop them, Jesse said reluctantly. 
Mallory nodded. I think so, too. Something is bound to go. She couldn't complete her sentence because her jaw had dropped in horrified surprise. Mrs. Pike, alerted by the commotion, had come to her bedroom window and opened it to see what was going on. Unaware, Adam had attempted to blast David Michael, who's... Come on. Come inside and wait by the light of no. the moon. No, I come to no. my window. I rescind I'll your. I rescind you. I rescind your permission to sing on this podcast. Mallory nodded. Mrs. Pike, alerted by the commotion, had come to her bedroom window and opened it to see what was going on. No, okay, fuck. I accidentally read the same fucking passage again. I rescind your permission to sing. Okay, got it, got it. Unaware, Adam had attempted to blast David Michael, who stood just below the window. His aim was too high, and he soaked his mother instead. Dripping wet, Mrs. Pike stood at the window for a moment, wearing a look of complete surprise. Then she was gone. Uh Uh-oh, Dawn said to Marianne. Okay, that's enough, shouted Christy, who had seen what happened. She waved her arms like a basketball ref calling a violation. Out of the tree, guys. Adam, Jordan, and Byron were down in a flash. It took Mrs. Pike a little longer than Mallory expected to appear in the yard, but when she did appear, Mallory cringed. Mrs. Pike's face was stern and unamused. Would she make them stop the party? Byron, Adam, Jordan, over here, she commanded. Obediently, the triplets lined up side by side facing her. I have only one thing to say to you. She began. The boys hung their heads. With a quick movement, she whipped something out from behind her back. It was one of those huge water blasters, a super soaker. Got you back, she cried gleefully as she sprayed her sons. Oh, Mom, Adam yelled as he tried to shield himself from the stream of water. Laughing, Mrs. Pike retreated into the house, still firing off ribbons of water. It's like a super soaker commercial. Yeah, good burn. The other burn I have is just the real burn of the week, which is the burn on all of us, which is that death's icy fingers will clutch us and pull us into our graves, no matter who we are. Yeah, I had another burn, too. Um, Graham has a friend named Molly, who's mm-hmm. the one who provided all the decorations. She she works in the theater in New York City. She's the one who provided all the decorations for the Alice in Wonderland party. Yeah. Abby says this. I like Molly. I've never met anyone at all like her. She's overweight and wears these big, blousy, colorful outfits. That day she was wearing a red and orange tie-dyed outfit with flowering sleeves. She has thick gray hair, which she usually wears bundled up on top of her head with lots of strands falling loose. Molly calls everyone except my grandparents honey, darling, or sweetie. It makes her sound very affectionate. But I suspect it's just because she doesn't want to have to learn anyone's names. <laughs> That's good. That's Burn relatable. on everyone. Hashtag relatable. From Molly. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I'm not going to bother learning your name, Abby. Darling. Um, Suzanne didn't put a lot of burns in this book, Tanner, because she put the ultimate burn, which is the very specter of death. Sure. Lurking in what would otherwise be a wonderland or paradise. Sure. And on that somber note, Tanner, it is my belief that we should get the fuck out of here. Okay. Tanner, I would like to personally thank you for bearing with me. Hey, Jack. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. Baby Nation, I would like to thank you as a collective for bearing with us. And I would also like to thank the lawyers at Stony Brook. Yep. For not coming after us. Taking this podcast down. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I guess. After all this time. And I would like to also thank the part of the Baby Nation Collective that has thus far written us reviews and given us ratings on iTunes for doing that. And the part of this collective that hasn't, I would urge you to do so soon or else. Well, actually, no, it's weird to threaten, right? I don't think it's necessarily a threat to say, do this now before death takes us all. Yeah. Do this now while you can. It's like a gather gather ye rosebuds while you may. Yeah, yeah. Write ye your reviews. While ye may. While ye may. Um, and buy our merch, bit.ly slash bscc merch. We got some good-ass t-shirts and some good-ass pins. Share this podcast with a friend. Tanner, I'm doing all of the work here. Well, what do you want me to do? 
But uh, just hang tight while I see us out of here, baby nation. This I brought week. Lord Byron okay. into it. Is he the one who did gather your rosebuds? Uh, I don't know. Was it Byron? <gasps> no. Is written by Robert Herrick. English Cavalier Poet in the 17th century. That sounds more accurate. Tanner, this week we read a book that was called Abbey. Apologies to Lord Byron for misattributing and apologies to English Cavalier Poet Robert Herrick. This week we read a book that was called Abbey in Wonderland. Next week, Tanner, I have some good fucking news for you because we're going to be reading a book called Christie in Charge. Nice. They're finally getting to the the meat of it. Didn't we just have a Christie book? Yeah. I'm not complaining. No, 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 no. Christie was just sitting pets. Yeah, she was sitting pets and then they like introduced a they they blinded a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did blind a woman. I feel like they were like, let's do a do-over. Because Christie books are supposed to be fun and they're like, oops, we blinded someone. Because shit's off the fucking rails here in the dark timeline. But yeah, they're like, let's do another. I hope they get it right. Christy's going to be in charge of some like dystopian reality, probably. Christy's in charge. Yeah. Is what it's called. Christy in charge. Christy in charge. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to that. Me as well. In the meantime, Baby Nation, this week I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is Dan Greenring. Baby Nation. Round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator and demand your right to bear time, and do not forget to let daddy love you as much as I do, baby nation. Remember the Delaney's. Take your dream horse through that maze. No, you have someone now, too. No. Yes. Remember. Wow, you've forgotten him already. Astonishing. Astonishing that you should have oh, forgotten someone so sure. important to us that the scholastic lawyers are trying to make us forget, but we won't, or at least I won't. Yeah. Who is it, Tanner? Remember sweet Peter Larangis. Remember the trip man. Remember the trip man. And take your dream horse through that maze. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks you would think that boys had just been invented. Two hundred times one hundred and twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Two hundred times one hundred is two hundred twenty thousand. Twenty-four thousand two hundred pages of Babysitters Club books. You and I have read. How long is Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series? Sixteen books, probably five or six hundred pages each. So you just said we've read twenty-four thousand pages worth of Babysitters Club books. Yeah, and the Wheel of Time books are six hundred pages apiece. Yep. So that is only about 9,600. So we've read about three times the number of pages in the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. One of the longest and most dense yeah. series of books. The Sitter Cycle makes the Wheel of Time look like a novella. Yeah, like a children's novella. Yeah. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>